0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special mini episode of the Naked Security Podcast. I'm Paul Ducklin. I am joined today by my friend and colleague, Chester Wisneski. Hey, Duck. Good to be back. Our topic today is hacking back. Is attack an acceptable form of defense. And the reason that that is the topic today is we've just published an article on nakedsecurity.sophos.com entitled FBI Hacks into Hundreds of Infected US Servers and Disinfects Them. So the FBI have used web shells left behind by the so-called hafnium attacks to go into servers that haven't yet been fixed and use the web shell one last time to issue the command, remove thyself, Chester. What do you think?
1: Well, I'm still trying to decide how I think about this because it's a pretty complicated thing. I mean, in general, my uh, my initial instinct is always no one should be accessing someone else's computer without their permission under any circumstances, and I don't really care in that case whether, uh, especially if I'm not suspected of a crime, let's say. Whether that's the FBI or or anyone else. And so I I kind of like my initial reaction on hearing about this story was kind of like, ooh, what are they doing? Like, are they sure this is a good thing? But on the other side, if what they're saying is 100% true, which I have to take it at face value and assume that it is, I think is a good thing because these people were already being compromised by potential nation states and more likely also by other uh, everyday criminals and are clearly unaware of it or they would have done something. And This seems to be a pretty safe and innocuous way to handle it.
0: I guess in this case, you're looking at not just any old servers, but Microsoft Exchange servers, most of which probably contain what crooks would consider trophy data. It's not just that they might get infected. They're already essentially wide open to anyone who knows the URL where the web shell is based.
1: Well, and don't forget, uh, you know, email really is the keys to the kingdom. Absolutely. No, Not only can you search people's mailbox for the word password, which unfortunately in everyone's mailbox, they probably run across some thing somewhere that mailed them their password, which is a very bad practice. But more than that, I can reset all your passwords by having access to your email. So this is an incredibly dangerous position for the businesses that were compromised by this malware. So I'm wondering if that played into the urgency with which the FBI took action and got permissions from the courts.
0: I know, and, and you know, thinking back to the, you know the, about the mid2000s when zombies or bots were a big thing, and I can remember going to conferences and conventions and speaking gigs and always getting cornered by people going, "Well, you guys find all these bots, you guys know where the command and control centers are. Why aren't you in there killing off every botnet you find?" And you know we have to go, "Well, that's not our job, it's not lawful, it's not appropriate." It's not just that you feel uneasy about it. To me, that was clearly the wrong thing to do. In this case, it's more like hundreds of computers, their servers with trophy data on, and the possibility for damage or things going wrong seems a lot more circumscribed. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely, and, and people need to remember, like, if you think there's a lot of bugs in your favorite video game or in Microsoft Word, you can't imagine the poor quality code in some of this malware. Like you don't know what it's going to do and and maybe the kill command is is actually a booby trap. Absolutely yeah. To to cause a self-destruct sequence of the whole PC. You don't really know what it's going to do and it's also not incredibly reliable code. You and I have both presented at many a conference doing live malware demonstrations. The crowd always really enjoys them, right? Yeah, cuz
0: there's always that thing, I wonder if it's going to crash on him. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I can see from the FBI or the Department of Justice's point of view, I can imagine people are going, well, you can see those servers. You guys know how to get court warrants. You could fix this. Why haven't you done anything? If you read that release carefully, it looks as though they found thousands of servers. Their warrant only dealt with hundreds. And those are only the ones in the US. So I wonder how many people are still basically wide open to attack anyway. So anyone who hasn't patched and already got infected once, they're just going to get infected again, aren't they?
1: Yeah, that's that That was a very important point in this story, right? There were some people who had applied the patch but didn't go threat hunting to go find these web shells. Yeah. So those people arguably are more safe now. I agree. The web shell is gone and you already patched the hole, so you're in pretty good shape. But I'm guessing that's a minority of cases. Uh, I think that the people that reacted to the public outcry in the security community when these bugs were fixed uh, you Because know, we were all screaming everywhere that anybody would listen, like, not only do you need to get these patches, Microsoft's released a tool that will automatically help find if there, there's any remaining malicious code that was planted on your server. Threat hunting organizations like our MTR team and and other services like that were actively doing that on behalf of their clients, making sure that there wasn't any other malicious code left behind after the, the door was closed. But if that's the case, then I'm guessing the minority of the people that the FBI is trying to help, I mean, they're all going to be infected again in 15 minutes with the number of people scanning and exploiting these holes.
0: And of course, they've got the problem that they're now trying to get hold of the people whose servers they cleaned up. But they're kind of admitting that only goes so far. After all, the server was ill-secured enough that it wasn't patched in a timely fashion and had a web shell that was still on there weeks later the chance that the email address is up to date seems pretty low.
1: I mean, the irony is they could have used the web shell to get into the exchange server and send them an email that way. (laughs) But that might have been crossing too many
0: lines, I guess. Persuading a judge to sign a warrant with all that in, just describing what you were going to do would probably be very, very complicated.
1: Yeah, it's another example of where being a good guy is hard sometimes, right? Right. We know the criminals could get away with whatever they want. You and I were reminiscing about the the bot days and you know Sven Yashin trying to take out two other malware. Uh, he, he wrote Netsky to take out uh, My Doom and Bagel. Yes and arguably wasn't doing anything malicious. He was just keeping them out of the machine, uh, sort of a, a weird vigilante Robin Hood kind of thing.
0: Uh, allegedly. It's a nice excuse to have up your sleeve anyway, isn't it? Yeah,
1: but I mean, the police will never have that kind of flexibility and latitude in these situations. It'd be nice to get the message out to the public about how careful these operations are conducted, because security researchers are often asked similar things. Well, why couldn't you do this? Why couldn't you do that? I'm like, well, I don't wear a uniform. I don't have a badge. I can't go to a judge and ask for permission to do that. And when, when those things do happen, they need to be done with exceptional care, unlike when malware authors decide to block each other out. If this is considered a success, I'm wondering if we're going to see more of this, or do you think that this is just kind of dipping a toe in the water and seeing what happens?
0: Like you, I had that initial reaction to say, hey, I thought the idea of search warrants were to investigate someone for a crime. But I guess the whole idea is also to try and disrupt criminality. And by taking out the web shell, even from someone who is innocent of any crime, you are very definitely stopping future crimes from happening and providing some ongoing protection.
1: Yeah, I th- I th- I think my reaction to it has generally been positive as well, but I, th- a lot of the negative opinion out there, I think kind of falls into this slippery slope category going, well, this time it sounds okay, but what if next time they decide that having remote desktop protocol open with passwords that were leaked in the LinkedIn breach and they decide to like start remoting into systems and turning off remote access? And I don't think that that's where this is going at all, but I think that's where the negative reaction was perhaps in the security community going, You know, if we allow them to start accessing people's computers without the person's permission, where does it stop?
0: But, Chester, let's say this thing becomes much more standard and, you know, we get a a lot more successful, warrantful operations like this. Do you think that in the long run it could have a negative effect because people go, oh, I I don't need to worry. I'll put in 80% of the work. The feds have got my back. If something really bad happens, they'll just steam in and fix it. Do you think it could lead to people thinking, well, you know, that's what I pay my taxes for. Yeah, I would
1: hope not. I mean, it's there's a lot of ways to look at this. I mean, one way you could look at it is it's setting a precedent for them to be able to act more quickly in the future to deal with things like this. If courts are more accustomed to issuing these kinds of orders, then maybe the time to issue can be reduced to limit the harm when there's something that can be done to protect a population. But as we know, with uh, studying malware, there are targeted attacks, and there are kind of semi-targeted attacks, and there are what you know we've often referred to as spray and pray attacks in our industry. And this type of an action generally is only effective against those widespread spray and pray type attacks. People need to still stay on their toes. They can't rely on the FBI or or any agency within their given country to necessarily take care of these things for them because anything with uh, with with more targeted nature than this requires diligence of the people uh, owning that equipment. And so I don't. I, I would hope it wouldn't change people's behaviors.
0: Certainly in the press release, they do have a paragraph that, that says, let us tell you what we didn't do. And let us tell you what might still be there. We, we didn't patch. We didn't look for other malware. We didn't look for hacking tools. We didn't look for any of the back doors that the crooks typically leave behind once they're in. So we just remove the web shell, which lets anyone else come in any time they want. So I guess all the stuff they're talking about there that they weren't able to do, that, for better or for worse, ends up being an enormous part of the effort that our own managed threat response and Sophos Rapid response teams have to do. They're invited in, hey, we've had ransomware. Can you fix the ransomware? And the answer is yes. The other 99% of the job is finding all the other stuff that may have gone wrong that actually, A, let the ransomware in in the first place, and B, happened alongside it so the crooks could wander back in later just when you thought that it was safe to go back in the water.
1: Yeah, the, the cynic in me says that for most of these organizations, the safe thing to do with these exchange servers, if they get an email from the FBI... Is going to be to burn it to the ground.
0: Flee to the cloud.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they should have uh, they should have changed the desktop to a coupon discount code for Office 365. But the you know the truth of the matter is, in order to disinfect a situation like this, likely requires that you were advanced enough to already have things in place like EDR software that was tracking activity on those systems, so you could tell what actually happened, and then either you know an internal security team or a threat a threat response service that can then interpret all that data to help you remove all the remnants of that attack. And if you have unpatched Exchange servers in April of 2021, it's unlikely that you have a managed threat response service already on staff nor a a skilled security team to be unpatched against these vulns. So I suspect it will be very difficult to trace down and all the different traces of what might have occurred. And as a
0: result, it's probably time to restore from backups. So I guess, is it fair to say that this wasn't a show of force? It was almost like a show of goodwill, but also a way of making a clear public reminder that this is something that not only affects us all, but requires us all to do that little bit more due diligence than perhaps we are, that we all need to raise the bar a bit.
1: Yeah, I, I at this point, you know, for smaller organizations, I think that you need to be looking at what things are on the internet and are those things better managed as a cloud service? And then which things you need to keep on the internet and making sure that you do have that threat response service, the EDR, more advanced endpoint solutions, tracking what's going on. Because anything that you're running on premise, you do need to be able to wind the clock back, determine what happened when something like this occurs. And so now is the time, if you aren't doing that, to make sure that especially those servers in the DMZ are protected, things that can help you respond better to an incident. and. If if that's costly and time too much time to manage, many of these things are better managed as a cloud service where you don't have them on-premise at all.
0: Yes, and importantly, one of the things, this may this probably applies to medium or large-sized companies rather than small ones. One of the points that I made in the article we published about this issue on naked security was tip number one was not patch your servers. I decided I'd put in, check whether you actually have any exchange servers on your network, because I suspect that there are plenty of organisations out there that these days consider themselves kind of a full cloud company. But if you don't go out and check to see whether you really did shut down all those exchange servers, or whether the guys in the company that you acquired comparatively recently, who may be a little bit maverick still, maybe they've still got an exchange server running that they forgot about. Except the only people who haven't forgotten about it are the crooks. Or, if you're lucky, the FBI.
1: Sometimes it feels like we haven't learned a lot in 20 years. I remember when I first started at Sophos, people uh, ignoring Sendmail vulnerabilities and not realizing that every Solaris box they had had Sendmail on and running by default. And it was the same kind of problem, right? They were getting exploited and they were being used as launching points for other attacks. And people were like, well, I don't run Sendmail. I'm an exchange shop. I'm a Lotus Domino shop. And you're like, no, you're running Sendmail because you've
0: got Solaris. It does seem that a lot of these things are lessons that, yes, we should have learned, but Maybe we'd learned them, but we just didn't put them into practice. So, Chester, what are your takeaways from this? Do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing?
1: I'm leaning toward a good thing, and I would love for uh, the FBI and the Department of Justice to share the results of this with some more details so that as a community we can have uh, a discussion, uh, so we have consensus with uh, the public and private sector. But obviously, the FBI and the DOJ think this is a good thing. There's some people and skeptics that need to be convinced a little bit. And I would like to see uh, how we think it went as a community when it's all over. I think it'd be a great panel at Black Hat.
0: Yeah, I'd love to know whether anyone genuinely had any trouble with their server as a result of this. I'm finding it hard to think that they could. And the other statistic I'd love to know, but I guess will be impossible to measure. I'd love to know how many, if any, get reinfected because this was simply almost a question of too little, too late.
1: By the time this podcast airs, they will all be reinfected
0: if they weren't patched. What can you do if you think that you did the right thing when the half news broke, but you're reading this story now and you're thinking, wow, hundreds, thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of servers around the world still unpatched? What can you do on your network to make sure you're not accidentally one of those 10,000?
1: Well, I I would run a network scan with something like Nessus to determine whether there's any uh, forgotten exchange servers lurking about in my network, uh, certainly at least doing an audit of everything that uh, that is in a DMZ where it may be have it mapping through to the open internet. And on those exchange servers even if you think they weren't impacted, it was never too late to double check and run that Microsoft tool that checks for the known uh, attack uh, remnants If Let's call them cuz Microsoft did release a tool early on, but then they updated that tool later to have more things that it looks for. So you can never be too safe. So I I certainly would be uh, erring on the side of caution.
0: Chester, uh, let's finish off by looking at the issue of going looking for indicators of compromise, because I think that's the big, big takeaway from the Justice Department's press release. Right at the end, they're saying, you know what, we've removed the web shell, you have to go and look for all the other stuff. And the reason the web shell was there was not necessary that you didn't go and look for it, but you may have just gone looking without the depth or the intuition that a modern threat hunter needs.
1: Well, we, uh, we published a great article from our colleagues, uh, Seth and Greg, on the Sophos News blog that's called Hafnium, Advice About the New Nation-State Attack. And that covers a lot of the details there that uh, you probably want to cover. And it includes a, a really good video from the director of our Managed Threat Response team, Matt Gangwer. Who um, also uh, kind of explained in more detail the steps necessary to kind of mitigate this attack. So that's where I would start. I'd go to news.sophos.com and type in Hafnium.
0: We've also got an article about how web shells work on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. And as I think you and I have spoken about before, there's also the issue that if the crooks have been in your network for a while with you know what we're now calling human-led attacks, one of the things they do is to spend time learning your naming convention so that when they create fake servers, when they create fake accounts, when they create new directory names, they fit in quite well. So you need to be very vigilant indeed, do you not?
1: Yeah, I think most folks are still in the mindset that these attacks are automated. And while certainly the initial access in many cases may be automated in something that sort of can be sent out with a a, a bot, like the the, exploiting this vulnerability, the behavior after that is completely human. And so uh, you just, you have to uh, think of it as if that human is really sophisticated. They may or may not be that sophisticated, but gosh, um, the more ransomware attacks and things that we get involved in, there's always human hands on a keyboard and they're always using human interlock to, to do subterfuge that you'll never see from a piece of code. So you have to assume it's a smart person.
0: And this is a different kind of hacking skill, isn't it? This is more like social engineering, gift of the gab skills brought to the keyboard. It's not as though the crooks necessarily need to be technically sophisticated. They just need to be able to read your mind and mix unsuspiciously in your midst.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, we see that they actually will read your own documentation to know how you do it and they'll
0: follow your guidelines. And in many cases, sadly, they end up knowing your network better than you do.
1: Well, yeah, they have certainly probably been the most recent people to to do a scan.
0: (laughs) Perhaps the bottom line for all of this, a bit of a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So thank you so much, Chester, that this has been a most informative chat and I was very interested to hear your opinion on what went down in this FBI malware removal by warrant phase. So thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. I think I'm going to run off and scan my ESXi server and see if I have any Exchange servers running.
0: To everyone who's listening, thank you very much for doing so. And until next time, stay secure.